I slept badly last night. Me too. Do you have an explainable reason for it? Oh, no. What? <laughs> Is this going to be about the chilli pad? So Johnny recommended that we get a, a chilli pad, which is basically a fridge that runs cold water under you while you're sleeping. And I think he's written, wrought with guilt about my my lack of enjoyment of it. To, to be fair, it's all right. I think I'll keep it. Okay. You think you'll like keep it? It's, a, like, it's got to be a good thing having control over your temperature in all seasons because it goes warm as well it's not just cool it does yeah i i just it was so game and continues to be game changing for me and i'm really surprised that you don't have a better experience with it if you if you could explain in a sentence what's wrong with it what would that sentence be i I don't feel like there's anything wrong with the product Okay. So I guess the, the what I'm looking for is better sleep at the end of the day. So it's not okay. that the product is deficient, like it works. I think it pumps cold water under me. It's a little <laughs> bit a little bit like crinkly, kind of itchy feeling when you're lying on it. The, Hang on. The... Hang on. Are you lying just on it? No, it's under my sheet. Right. Good. But that's a reasonable perfectly reasonable question to mm-hmm. ask. No, the, the reason that I slept badly was because I had a pint of green tea ice cream, hojucha ice cream, <laughs> yesterday about 5pm. <laughs> <laughs> and because I'm such a little caffeine willy, I'm very sensitive to it. And I had the pint of ice cream and then I cycled to the gym. And you know, when you haven't had caffeine for a long time and suddenly your perception widens like colors are a bit brighter music sounds a bit better your jaw starts tightening up the your peripheral vision expands and you're like oh here we go you get into the gym first few sets are amazing and you're like oh bollocks i've had a lot of caffeine so did you know before having the ice cream that it had caffeine in it it wasn't just like green tea flavoring it's actually got green tea in yeah, it's powdered roast green tea. I mean, that sounds delicious for ice. Like, I can't think of any nicer ice cream flavor than that, in fact. I can't tell if you... <laughs> I'm being deeply sarcastic. Genuinely powdered... so nice that I bought some on Amazon. I bought some of the powder to make it myself. Okay. <laughs> I'm trying to think of, like, how can I get all the questions I want to ask? In yeah, I can feel becoming, the flood of questions. This becoming the <laughs> this becoming the podcast. So we'll go quick fire. You bought a pint of ice cream that's that had powdered roasted green tea in it. Mm-hmm. Where did you buy that from? It's a Japanese bubble tea place in Newcastle uh. <laughs> called Sujiri. Bit uh. overpriced. Like the the pint of ice cream was ten pounds. <laughs> <clears throat> but well worth it. There's things that, that Yusuf does. It goes through phases where it's like deep obsession. So at the minute, he took me to a bubble tea place where like you and one of our clients, Alec, had dr- drinks that to me didn't look very nice, to be honest. <laughs> I think they, they looked, if, if anything, they looked 
pretty horrible. And then I noticed the other day you shared something. You shared like a macro factor screenshot where you tracked lots of Nutella spread because you've just discovered, is it lint? Lint chocolate lint spread. spread with those snacker jack, the caramel snacker jacks that you can just put away like, and they yeah, don't feel nice. like you've eaten anything. Um, so well, yeah, they're very, you... they're very high volume, very low calorie, aren't they? They're pretty, if you're dieting, are you still reversing? Yeah, still reversing pretty, yeah. pretty badly to be honest, but, but you're right. Like I go through phases, like previously it was malt loaf and there's loads of rotational foods. But you and... go deep, don't you? Like you don't, you don't just like skirt around the edges. So you found this green tea ice cream that you like. Oh, and that, the thing that intrigues me the most is why have you not just bought more of the ice cream? Why have you bought the powder? to make your own ice cream. Cause that sounds like quite a lot of effort making your own Probably. ice cream. Yeah. I, I might regret have you this. Bought the, have you bought the green tea powder or have you bought like ice cream? Is it like a, like a premix thing? Bought the green tea powder. So then I'll have to like freeze some yogurt or something and mix it in. I think but it's a bit more complicated than that. You know, making ice cream. It is. I looked at a couple of YouTube videos and I'm like, what <laughs> I'm off my depth here. Like, but yeah, I mean, j just for context as well, this this place that we went to for for bubble tea, and if you haven't had bubble tea and you're listening, it's a Don't. really juvenile drink that all the cool kids are, are, are drinking from Taiwan, I think, and it's made its way to the West, and it's little balls of tapioca that I've heard described as phlegmy consistency balls Delicious. at the bottom of a tea. And so Alec had the purple sweet potato in milk. But did he not, it might, one of you like went up and said, can I have this one? And they're like, oh, no, no, we haven't got that. And they're like, all right, can I have this? I'm like, oh, we're out of this. All right, I'll have this one. Then no, we're out of this. All right, can I have the sweet potato one? Yeah, yeah, no problem. Yeah, so, exactly. And that, now that's a sign, isn't it? That they had that in full stock. Mm, I don't that think you knew potato. It was taro, which is technically an older vegetable than the sweet potato. It's purple. It's neither, it's neither sweet or savory. It's just kind of a bready type taste. Bready. And it was just that at the bottom of a glass of milk. Delicious. And Alec was yum, lovely yum, about yum. it. He was like, no, this is nice. Thank you. <laughs> he was a real gent about the whole thing. <laughs> he, was, he was a gent. He was. Probably just really just taken back by it, I think. Just taken down a... <laughs> to Chinatown in Newcastle where you encouraged him fairly strongly encouraged him to have sweet potato in milk as a drink <laughs> after we city. took him knowing that he is he vegan mm. or vegetarian oh vegetarian yeah vegetarian and we took we took him to a restaurant called chicken coop which as you can imagine mainly sells chicken i think they have one vegan thing on the menu this That's is it. making us sound like such dicks. <laughs> but, but there we was are. good intent behind all of it, though, wasn't there? Like, we weren't trying to be nasty. We were trying to be nice. Yeah, we just <laughs> weren't very good at it. <laughs> I think he had a good time regardless. I think so as well. Out in the big city. I think so. Yeah. <laughs> um, but so you're, you're going to keep the chili pad? Yeah, I think so. Because it was on half price. And may still be on half price if you're if you're listening to this is. in time. I think it is, yeah. The so it sounds like you're having bad sleep, but not because of the chili pad. The chili pad might even be making the sleep 
better than it could have than it otherwise well, would have yeah. been. Well, yeah. Technically, we'll, we'll never be able to know because you can never redo that night's sleep under the same circumstances and and see. So th- this is an argument, I think one of the only arguments for something like a whoop band, because at least it looks at large amounts of data and you can, you tell it the following day, like, what did you do yesterday? And it then says, well, in general, when you use your chili pad on those days, mm. you'll get a slight increase in REM or deep sleep or something like that. That's true. It can give you a, a confidence interval at least mm. rather than just, well, I don't know. Mate. The, well, the trouble is with that though. So like my whoop band will tell me like on days when you, do stretching, your REM sleep increases. I'm like, be like, well, of course. Sure. On the days I do stretching, I've got more time available. I'm more mm-hmm. relaxed. So exactly, yeah, that's the yeah. difficulty. Doesn't really factor in the sort of the noise in the. You'd really to do it fully scientifically, you'd have to change like one thing and make a lot of effort to not change anything else in your life. Have the same day, same stress levels, ex- follow exactly the same pattern. And then that's pointless. Speaking of that, we were going to talk about sales attribution. Yes. We promised you two weeks ago, and then we skipped a yeah, week. We did. So yes, we did. a couple of weeks ago, if you if you haven't heard back, I would recommend the episode that is called How to Win at Social Media While Minimizing Your Time on the Platforms. And we gave you a few bits of practical advice on constructing your organic social media stuff, which platforms to lean into, which ones are going to be the highest yield and highest return on your time and how to schedule that stuff out so that you're not spent like drawn into this addictive slot machine that is the feed. And right at the end, we teased a concept of sales attribution, which is Mm. if in your business, you could know where every sale has come from, and know which platforms and sources of your content and marketing are the ones that are generating the most sales, converting the best, and which ones you should lean into. We did. Yeah. And so I'm going to give an overview of, of, uh, so we used to do none of this. We then, I don't really know what it was that caused us to, to start doing it, but it was Four or five years ago, we started tracking these things. Um, Probably once you started running ads and started yeah. to run into the problem of, oh, was that an organic sale? Like the person says it was, but I think they clicked on this ad. And That's a great way to describe it. So <clears throat> one of the problems with advertising is if you're using any kind of sales sequence that involves more than one step, which is most most things, right? So someone will opt in. And then a week later or two weeks later or a year later, they buy something. It would be nice to know, oh, well, it was that ad that I was running a year ago that created that sale. But the ad platform doesn't track that. So the ad platform generally, like you'll look at your Facebook ads or your Google ads or whatever on a single day, and it'll say you've got this many leads from this amount of spend. And it's a little bit like, well, is that working or is that not working? So that's when we started doing it. But it then gets even more noisy when you you also do th- stuff on social media or you have multiple platforms and you have a more just more stuff going on. So I think before I get into explaining this, the first thing that I think is is really important that everybody has 
is some kind of CRM. So we use Active Campaign. There's lots of similar bits of software. Some are more complicated and more expensive. Some are more simple. But somewhere where people who are opting in and coming through the virtual doors of your business go so that you can start to look at, well, where did they come from? And then what causes them to make a buying decision? Just for anyone who's like, what's a CRM or I've kind of heard of it, but I'm not quite sure. It's lit. It's just a database. It's just a series of entries of here's a name. They're on an email list. You can contact them. It'll keep a record of previous interactions that you've had with them. So it's kind of like we, if you were to say, what's your personal version of a CRM, you're probably using one, which is your, your messages app and your contact mm -hmm. app. Like mm -hmm. if you go to text someone, it'll show you all the previous texts that you've had with that person. It's kind of a, a social CRM. I think it just means client relationship manager, right? Yep. Something like that. Customer relationship manager. Um, yeah, exactly. So like <clears throat> in active campaign, let's say someone buys, we can click on their profile. We can see which lists they're in, what caused them to opt in, when they opted in, how many emails they've received. We score them based on their engagement. We can see any one-to-one -one back and forth. So maybe they emailed us a year ago and Yusuf replied or, or whatever. We can see all of that in one place. And so we can reasonably confidently and disclosure we do what I'm about to describe is a simplified version of what we do. We make this a lot more complicated, but we can generally see they came from this place originally and this thing caused them to make a, a buying decision. This thing is kind of a trigger event. And then we have the initial source. And so why is all of this important? If you think of it as you are at the, you are the captain of this ship and you are, you are just deciding I have these resources, so I have time and money, and I have to allocate that in some way to try and grow the business, to try and make things move more efficiently. It's really, you can't do everything, and that's the problem. Like, we, we could do even more. We do a lot of stuff. We could do even more things than we do. We could run different types of content, different types of ads on different platforms. We've arrived at the things we've arrived at because we're pretty confident that those things generate sales. And if you have no idea what's working, what isn't working, the kind of heartbreaking thing that can happen is you spend years doing things that don't actually generate sales. Maybe you think they do, but they don't. So we'll speak to a lot of people who say, I post on Instagram every day and I get some signups, but actually the signups are just coming from word of mouth and referral. And they could have done nothing on Instagram. Yeah, that is painful. Hours, hours and hours wasted. Especially how considering how time costly Instagram is yeah. and it, Instagram doesn't mind because you're doing free labor for them. You're creating a nice experience for everyone who's scrolling the feed, spending ages, making these like little sketch videos for reels and, and all that stuff. But yeah, I guess the, the other equally heartbreaking problem that you've highlighted there is not just because everything works and actually Really, if you, if all you did was post on Instagram, you'd make some sales, but it's, it's knowing for the chips that you have available, how many sales does it make per unit of effort? Because everything yeah. works, but it's, there will be some things that work better than others. Yeah. And obviously that's important when you're spending your time on these platforms. It's especially important when you're spending money on these platforms, because like, if you've got a thousand pounds in your business and you're going to spend all of it, you want to make sure that 
uh, that's your, your ads testing budget, for example, you want to make absolutely sure that at the very end of it, at least you have data over like that ad and that targeting option, that's what brought in the sales. And so that if the next time you spend a thousand pounds, let's say maybe 900 of it was wasted on things that didn't work, but a hundred of it brought in three sales and the highest quality leads. And you have to have some tracking set up to be able to know that. So the sort of the simple version of this stuff to take away and maybe apply today, regardless of how, what tracking or how advanced you want to make this, you want to start note, noting down your initial source and trigger source of sales. Now by initial source, I just mean, and you, this is why you need a CRM because you can see these things <clears throat> by initial source. I just mean what caused your customer to opt in. So where are they from? Did they opt in from Instagram? Did they opt in from YouTube? Was it an ad that you ran on Facebook? If so, which ad was it? And if you want to get into that in more detail, you can look up something called UTM tracking. You can just Google that. It's very boring, but it works. Um, so where are they, where have they come from? And you can then plan long-term around this. So if we found out, for example, and something we know, interestingly, is that a lot of business customers come from our podcast because we give you various links and things to click on and we can track where you opt in from. And we know that the people who come from the podcast end up being really good customers, because if you can sit and listen to us talk about this for a long time, chances are, if you pay them pay to work with us, you will also sit and listen to us for a long time and therefore get good results. So that's sort of the, the source, like the origin, where, do, which platform are people on before they enter your world? And that's the first thing to, to pay attention to. And presumably you're coming onto this, but how do you, how do you identify the source? So this is where it gets a little bit complicated and it, it, it kind of depends on how much effort you want to put into this. So you can make it as simple as each source or each platform that you want to track has its own landing page, for example. So that's the really basics. It, it, it's kind of bloated and complicated, but you might have a landing page that you only link to from Instagram. You might have a landing page that you only link to from YouTube. You might have a landing page that's only linked to your ads. And then when people opt in via that link, inactive campaign or whatever software you're using, they would just be tagged with Instagram or YouTube or ads. And so then practically that, that, that would just be like Joe blogs, fitness company.com forward slash Instagram. And if you're using WordPress or ClickFunnels or something, you can create that page, which is identical to all the other landing pages, but you only put that one on your Instagram bio and you say link in bio. When someone opts in, there's an instruction on that page on the back end that when someone enters their email address, it goes Instagram. And then if you were to look up that person in your CRM, it'll, you'll see where they came from and you could even tag it as first click Instagram. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. So, and the reason why it's important to track this yourself and not ask people, because this is the mistake people make is like, Hey, where did you first hear about us? Because we know <laughs> where people actually first hear about us. Whenever we ask them that question, they're usually wrong. They usually <laughs> misremember, right? Cause people, <laughs> people have like a, a recency bias. So they might've seen a post on Instagram from us that caused them to get in touch. And they Ooh. might say like, oh, I think I follow you guys on Instagram, but actually it was a Facebook ad two years ago. Or it's, it... it's not an easy question. Like where, where did you first hear about Martin Burkan or Mike Isretel? Elite FTS, Martin Burkan. Okay. Mike Isretel, that is a good question. I'm impressed you know where you found out about Burkan. I can remember the article. Wow. 
I can remember the article. I can remember it was about 16, eight fasting. And I just remember reading about this guy who was like super, super lean and thinking like, who is this? Well, thanks for bloody ruining my example there, but sorry, sorry. <laughs> but, but you know, the thing is I might be wrong. Ah, yeah. If we were to look on, if they had 20 years of UTM data. Yeah. Um, well, elite FDS fucked it because I didn't opt in. So oh, terrible. <laughs> but like the, there's people who you could mention or, you know, I don't know, Ben Carpenter, like no idea. Like I, yeah. I'm going to say Instagram cause that's the most recent memory of him, but I, I doubt it is. So this is the thing. So like someone buys from you and you ask them on a survey, Hey, where did you first hear about me? And they say Instagram, but actually it was an article you wrote on your website two years ago. You look at that and go, right, I need to do more Instagram but actually you need to do more articles, right? Because that's the source of like, how do I go onto the internet and find more people who are going to buy from me, right? That's the problem we're trying to solve. And not not what stuff did I do today that made them sign up, but rather like, which pond are they in? I'll go fish there, right? I'll go set up camp and just camp there and fish there. And I'm just going to do that because everything else is a waste of time. So that's why it's important to track that because people don't remember, especially if there's a long sales cycle. The thing that you can ask people, and again, you can track this using some of the bits of software and tools. It gets very complicated though, is you want to track the trigger source or the trigger event. So what, let's say they signed up yesterday, what caused that to happen? And then the gap between those two things. So the opt-in of the original source event and the trigger event, that is your sales cycle length, right? So when someone enters your CRM and when someone buys from you, if you track those two things and you can do this in active campaign. So when someone opts in, you can fill out a custom field saying, make this field today's date when they opt in. And then when they buy, make this field today's date. So then on everybody's profile, you'll have opt-in date and buy date. And you'll be able to calculate if you want to do this. And if you're like me and you're excited about stuff like this, you can export all that data and look at the average, um, buying cycle. So how long does it take people when they opt in or find out about you to then make a buying decision? You'll probably find that it's about 14 days, interestingly, which is about the same length or exactly the same length as the, the challenge that we teach people to run for a very good reason, but interesting, but yeah, so you can then, and that's something that you can't ask people about. So on the, like a survey or a questionnaire, when someone signs up, you can say like, what was it that prompted you to sign up today? Usually people can remember that one, right? They'll say it was a chat in DMs or it was an email you sent or it was a podcast you did or, and that's sometimes where you can get an insight that you maybe wouldn't have got, even if you were tracking things. Mm, so that, that's a much more memorable moment. Like whenever I've signed up for someone's coaching or whatever, there's, there's been a moment where I might've seen something of theirs and I got, right, fuck this, I'm signing up for a coach. And that's, that's really powerful and keeping track of where those things happen and replicating more of them is really key. Yeah. So I guess in your pond analogy, the pond is where the, the fish that you're looking for are, are swimming. Mm -hmm. So that's the, the trigger source and you want to identify the original what, source. Where are they? The original, sorry, the original source. The initial, yeah. Um, and then the, the trigger source, the thing that caused them to buy is like the fly on the end of the, the rod or the worm. Yeah. It's like the bait. Yeah. But, but, or even more so it's like the fishing technique. It's like, well, I tried this rod and that didn't work. So I'm going to try this net. So I'm going to try a trawler. I'm going to try grenades. I'm going to drain, I'm going to drain all the water in the pond. Oh fuck. That was a step too far. So, <laughs> yeah. so like the, 
the, the, the trouble with looking at, at trigger source though, is that again, this is kind of the problem with attribution is that people overweight the trigger source and they think that that's what caused it. So they'll say, I posted on Instagram and three people signed up, right? But actually the reason that those people, three people signed up was that it's the end of December, people are looking to get in shape anyway. And those people have been following you because of your Twitter account. And they just happened to see something on Instagram and they signed up. So you place loads of emphasis on the Instagram account and that post you did when actually it was kind of broader factors. So that's why it's important to track both of them. Where are people can coming I, from? Go on. Sorry, can, can I just add? Because I think this is a really important point that loads of people miss. And th th this sounds like a really kind of boring, advanced concept of running your online fitness business that people don't need to care about. But actually... <clears throat> it's the root of many problems and it's the root of what we call Jordan's knot, which is a concept we've, we've picked up where you can end up doing well or doing badly in your business and not knowing why, because you haven't got this nailed down. So it, it is actually really important. And when you, the, the reason that we rag on uh, a lot of kind of high ticket style business gurus is not because of the business model per se, but it's because the people who are successful using their business model tend to misattribute their sales. So you look at their testimonial reel and there's often some kind of influencer type person who's already got a big organic audience that they've warmed up for a long time and they'll make a 30K month on their first month. And then that becomes the testimonial for the business guru with no yeah. follow-up for what's happened to them three months later or six months later. And all that's happened is the business guru has told them to post a call to action post that's basically taken the trawler and swept the fish that are already warm and ready to buy and mm. sold them a bunch of upfront high, high priced programs. Yeah. So that's going to generate a lot of upfront cash, but that's not a reliable mechanism to keep making sales after that. Yeah. And you can, it's easier to charge a higher price if you have an established brand and you've been doing something for a long time. So if you're well known, if you're in great shape, if you've got a hundred thousand followers, and you post saying like, Hey, brand new program, book a free call with me. You'll probably get some free calls. And if the script is like a decent sales script, you'll probably make some sales of something that's expensive. And so you look at that and go, wow, this model must work. But does that work for someone who has got a hundred followers online and has never done a sales call and who has no brand, no testimonials, like not really. It's a very different thing. So you're absolutely right. Yeah. It's, it's a, it's easy to say, well, that was the method, but actually it was lots of other things. So it wasn't the post, it wasn't the script. It wasn't the, anything that was, that was taught to them really. It was the five years of work they put in prior, but they're overweighting the trigger event in this instance. Um, so yeah, so there are, there are two, like once you know this information, so you, let's say, and you have to really, this is something you have to set up and leave it running in the background. So tracking your, what, where initial opt-ins come from, tracking the events that cause people to buy, looking at what your sales cycle is. And then you can start to build things around two situations. So firstly is the average. So what is the average time to buy? Let's build a funnel or a system that's going to capture that. So it takes most people 14 days to buy, which is probably, I almost guarantee is what you'll find 14 days to buy. Let's build a system that captures that. But also you'll see some examples of people that take eight months to buy. So do I have systems to capture those? You might see some examples where it takes someone one day to buy. What system do you have in place for that? And you can start to build these kind of processes in your business that capture 
these different buying styles and these different behaviors, but without any attribution, you're just guessing. You're like, oh, well, I'll just keep posting on Instagram. And again, you only have so much time. You, it's only you probably in the business. If you could be running your business in a way where you're intelligently building these systems and automations to grow things over time, and instead you're just kind of like frantically posting and hoping something works. So it's two very, very different approaches. One of them sat, probably sounds a bit intimidating and sounds a bit boring. And it's like, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to spend, spend the time on Canva. But the person who does go ahead and build those processes in a year's time, the the gap between those two situations is hard to measure. It's fast. Oh, imagine looking at your business in a year's time on your annual review, and you've got a heat map of where sales are coming from across your different platforms. And you were to see, and you're like, ah, I'm spending an hour, two hours a day on Instagram, generating stuff and posting stuff. <clears throat> but actually I've made one sale on Instagram and I've made 58 sales on Twitter through an email opt-in. Yep. Well, like how much easier is it to grow a Twitter account? So much easier. You can bulk pretty much automate it. I've got a video coming up about that soon. So then you've suddenly freed up one or two hours a day to focus on that. Mm. And that's where you can start to build the other pieces of your business to funnel stuff towards that. It'll, it'll change how you see advertising as well. So we have some, like some keywords some audiences, some on Facebook, Instagram and, and YouTube and Google that we just know work. Um, they work short term. So they generate as customers now, but more importantly, they generate customers over six months or a year. So there'll be people who buy today who opted in from a certain audience this time last year. And I might have looked at an ad or an angle, an ad or an audience this time last year and thought, oh, that's not working. I'll turn it off. But once you have this attribution tracking set up, you can see the, like, the long tail effect of things. So you start seeing like where you're putting your time into and where you're investing money into as this, you're kind of building this snowball that's gathering momentum over time. It's just, where do I apply that time and that effort and that money? So it's making those decisions intelligently and, and then just kind of being okay with the fact that there'll be ups and downs. But as long as I'm putting my time and my money into the right buckets over time, that's going to grow because I'm, I know that what I'm doing has some attributed sales and success attached to it. Sales attribution, everyone done <laughs> finished. So what else would you rather only be able to poo where you live or only be able to poo in public restrooms? This is a real bastard of a question. So if I poo where I live, I can't poo anywhere else. I'm going to pick that one because of athletic greens. Right. The sponsor of today's podcast. <laughs> <laughs> no, I just, since, since taking athletic greens, the reason why I feel trapped by that monthly subscription, even though it's overpriced, it's overpriced so that they can give such a big payout to people like Chris Williamson and Modern Wisdom to promote it. Yeah, because their affiliate program is... It is crazy, crazy. <laughs> it is really good though, and it tastes really nice. And the best thing about it is it's brilliant for digestion and bowel movement regularity. So I could honestly, if you put me in a dark room with no indication of what time it was, I could pretty much get it within an hour based on that. So I can predict that and forecast that. So I, I'm fine to just be at home when I know that's going to happen. If you'd like to predict your poos in a dark room <laughs> to the hour, 
Athletic Greens. Go to athleticgreens.com today and sign. No, we're not affiliated. Not big time enough. Yeah, you, you have to go through a lot of hoops, don't you? Yeah. Well, you got to be Tim Ferriss or Joe Rogan or you know or Chris Chris Williamson. Mm. <laughs> and or just little Johnny and Yusuf. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Never mind. So what? Well, what an what's answer. your answer? I didn't. Well, I didn't expect that it would be because of Athletic Greens. So uh, right. I'm, I need to just lay out the parameters here because I've not given this any thought. If I can only poo at home, that immediately restricts any holiday to maximum five days. Oh, I hadn't thought about holiday. Um, like more than five days, I'm starting to run into like serious Can I problems. ask an, an additional question? Yeah. When you say I can't, what happens if I need to? So that is also a good question. Like, what's the consequence? Because some, like, it, let's say you go on a five-day holiday to India and you're in Delhi and you eat a dodgy curry. Delhi belly. You got the Delhi belly. Yeah. Because if, it, if it's just well. that it physically doesn't come out, then, like, you'll have a couple of days with a sore, with a sore tummy, but it'd be all right, wouldn't it? If it, if it comes out, but it, you can't go to the toilet... That's a bit different. That's a really good question. So really, so like the only option is that you can poo yourself. Is that? Or like just poo where you are, but it's not like going to the toilet. Just spontaneous poo. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, whoever wrote this question has put one caveat in, but I don't think it quite answers your question. What is the caveat? You cannot buy outhouse and put a public sign on it or anything clever. You can't be clever, only dum-dum. <laughs> no being clever i think the only way you and i ever answer these questions is by being clever or trying to be clever trying to find a workaround of some mm. sort yeah so i think you would do i think you would do home as well yeah because even though i live within walking distance of like a fish and chip shop or like restaurants you don't want to have that relationship with them though do you yeah and what would you have to pay them on a retainer to say look can i just use your can i poo in your toilet all the time it's not even that it's like the days they're shut so like a bank holiday when they're shut and all you want to do is record or work and you're like well now i've got to like walk into town oh yeah and try and find and i'm bursting i'm sold Uh, i think Poo at home, and then you, if you go on holiday, you just have to have an elaborate enema emodium protocol. Yeah, just a handful of emodiums. Like just before you go away, you you clear out your rectum. You have some kind of bowel prep, so you your bowels are completely empty. And then go on holiday. The clock starts ticking. Day five, take an emodium. Day seven, start loading up on emodiums. Emodia. Yeah, is the. And no athletic greens while you're on holiday. None of those oh, travel, God, travel no. packs that you get when you sign up for a new subscription. <laughs> <laughs> With athleticgreens.com forward slash poo. Poo in a dark room. Poo in a dark room. I bet that would be the most unique testimonial they'd ever had. Be like, oh man, someone asked me this question. He put me in a mm. bit of a dilemma. So, Like Alex Honnold or whatever he's called, the guy who climbed up the free solo thing, like he, he says it helps him with like his climbing, but like, that's bullshit, Alex. Like put me in a dark room. I'd know what time it was. 
Yeah. Well, I'm glad we've settled that. And I have got one more question for you. Hit me with it. What is on your phone's home screen? I feel so fortunate because literally two days ago, I took like, I don't even know what prompted it, but I just decided to change it. Um, so I have, um, I guess like I'll show you, I'll show you a brief glance. I don't want to reveal all the names on my calendar. Is that in focus? Very nice. So that was top left is whoop, whoop recovery and strain. Uh, top right is Sam Harris daily meditation. So I just press that button and it drops me in the daily guided meditation. The thing below that is things, my today view on things. And then below that is my calendar. And then if I swipe right, uh, I have some apps, which are the ones that I use the most. Which oh, are, Spotify. Yeah. So Spotify, email, uh, a course we're on, some sales software we use, my notes app, macro tracking, a golf app. And then along the bottom, I have the geekiest thing in the world. Along here, I have Google Sheets, bottom left, WhatsApp, Google Sheets, because that's where my training's tracked. Google Sheets, WhatsApp, iMessage, and phone. Very What's nice. on your home screen? So mine is similar, actually. Mm. You can see there. So we've got clock, camera, photos, insight timer, so meditating. Apple Notes, and then I've got Read and Listen. Nice. And Macro Factor. So those are the things that, you know, you'd be in and out you've, all day. You've recently done this as well, haven't you? I have. This is a question of a man who's recently rearranged his home screen. And is really <laughs> pleased about it. So And then is that phone, is that, that's not Readwise, is it? That's something else on the bottom. Oh, on the bottom. Yeah, that's Read Readwise. It's Readwise's oh, okay. new beta app, which I'm not allowed to discuss yet Ooh. because I'm bound by a, thingy contract or whatever are you ready um, not a contract but i'm like an I NDA. they'd be a bit upset yeah um music and speech thing? central what's the purple thing speech central so th those are both apps to listen to pdfs and epub books right read books and then that big widget in the middle is tick tick on the day view nice so Nice. Oh, oh shit! I've just realised I've also got a name on there, so I'll I'll blur mm. out the names on both of our. <laughs> it doesn't matter way. that much, but um, but yeah. So the do you a habit I try to get into when I use my phone is to um, I think this is something I got from Chris actually. Like I swipe down and I search the name of the app I want to use. So I use the search bar to like. Mm. So I'm not. Because it's so easy to just mindlessly find yourself on an app you didn't intend to use. Yeah, just being deliberate and saying, right, I'm picking up my phone because I want to check my WhatsApp rather mm. than like just go through it. Like I'm terrible for going through the the cycle of any app that potentially has a notification. Yep. And then you it's look terrible. at it and you're like, oh, great, as a bill, I have to do a meter reading. Brilliant. Do you, do you have email on your phone? I do. I don't really use it though. Do you have missive on your phone? Yeah. I'm pretty bad. For, I think email's my... Here's a question, actually. Do you know what missive means? It's a message. So it's a letter, especially a long or official one. And the reason I raised that is we have been watching, Becca and I have been watching the new Game of Thrones, which is phenomenal. Really, really good. It's a prequel. 
or is it yeah it's a prequel yeah. yeah um but on it they said oh um such and such sent a missive to and i'm like what emails is there an email <laughs> <laughs> who, who did you allocate the email to <laughs> um, it's a missive for, for anyone listening it's great app if you're working in a small team so perfect for teams of two three or four people for example mm. where you're all sharing the same inbox because you yeah. can tag and allocate emails and comment on them and follow up and all that kind of stuff it's the commenting that's the best like the mm. you know get a load of this guy yeah right? <laughs> <laughs> who sent this email well we can see who sent the email it's in the from field but the yes but being able to like collaborate on replying before replying is cool being able to allocate it to people's cool. Um, I and also like how it is with your CRM. Does it? I think it can do. Yeah. So you can click on the person's name and see previous interactions. So then when, when you do give them a call, you'd be like, Hey, Kevin, how's the kids, Kevin? How, <laughs> how did your, your holiday in uh, Antigua go? And they're like, wow. But actually what have done is Ooh. check the CRM. <laughs> so we, there's another bit of software we use for like, because obviously we take, calls for propane business and by the way if you're listening to this and you haven't booked a call to apply for propane business what are you doing they're great Seriously. they're fantastic they're really good um but you can't just email the, the way to get in the vip queue like behind the cordon and into the special room at the back is email us with the subject line propane business podcast and we send you a link that doesn't exist anywhere else you can get a, a call booked sooner than everybody else. But anyway, um, we use this bit of software called close.io that takes all those bookings and pulls up the entire history of people. So in a similar way, like someone might have might have spoken to us two years ago and then booked a call today and we'll see all of it. And we'll see all the notes and they might have spoken to Yusuf and spoken to Alex and spoken to me. And we have all, all in one place. That is a fun Close is actually really good. Like Phenomenal. if there's if there's one argument to, to do high ticket sales, it's just because you get to use clothes. Yeah. Um, <laughs> actually, if, if you're a fitness coach and you, you charge, you either charge a high on the higher end of stuff and you need to do calls, or if you just have a program that requires a bit of qualification or a bit of diagnostic stuff, you know, we, we work with a few people who do stuff that's quite customized and rehab specific mm. kind of thing. So it needs a bit of discussion before just like sending someone a, a checkout link, then something like close. And there's a few other more rudimentary versions of it are brilliant. I'd very much there, recommend it. There's even an art. So we, we use close as our, to link back to the conversation before as our sales CRM. So active campaign is our marketing and customer CRM. So when someone is a client or if they're like receiving broadcasts and that sort of thing, and then if someone's like inquired about something and that would include fitness stuff. So if someone sent us an email and inquired about something or, um, they want to upgrade or they want to work with us in propane business, they're generally in close. So we can email from there. We can text from there. We can see message history. You can see if someone's opened an email, you can add them to sequences. This is not what we intend to talk about, but it is really cool. I've actually got close on my home screen on the, 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 the. Uh, yeah, there. Yeah. Very is. nice. There it is. Oh, we finished. We've been round the houses, all the way around the houses. So, admin at propanefitness.com. Mm. Send us an email with propane business podcast as a subject line, and you'll be able to bypass the booking limit, uh, the the booking notice period, and get in touch with us sooner. Yeah, and it'll be a good time. I guarantee you'll have a good time.
you can book it at four in the morning and we'll we'll have to answer the call because we'll be forced you know, to yeah we, we won't want to but we will we must that's the key thing we, we, we have to yeah <laughs> lovely <laughs> speak to you all next week